0: This is the Read, Write, and Create podcast, the podcast where you get a bite-sized session of creative writing coaching from me, Lori L. Tharps. I'm an award-winning author of both fiction and nonfiction, a journalist, and a former college professor. I've spent more than 20 years writing, teaching, and coaching creative writers, and I created this podcast because I want to help as many BIPOC writers as possible get their stories out of their heads and into the world. Are you ready? Let's go. Hello, writers, wordsmiths, and scribes. If you're a regular listener here, welcome back. If you're new, you're also welcome. I'm just glad you all decided to listen in and get some inspiration, motivation, and mentorship for your writing life. Remember, you don't have to do this writing thing all by yourself. On today's episode of the podcast, I'm going to be giving you a pep talk using the life and times of the incredible Dr. Maya Angelo to inspire you to tap into your purpose and passions as BIPOC writers. One little programming note before we get started, make sure you stick around all the way to the end of the episode because I'm launching a new segment of the show called Read Like a Writer, where I will be sharing a book recommendation for a book that is both delightful to read and it will help you improve your craft. So that's coming up at the end of the episode. Be sure to stay all the way till the end. And one more thing before we get started, I have to pause and share some exciting news. The last week of September, the Black Podcasting Awards had their 2023 award show and, drumroll please, (laughs) Read, Write, and Create won the award for Best Literary Podcast. Yay! <laughs> I was so excited, and I'm still getting goosebumps when I think about it, and I keep re-watching the video where they announced that Read, Write, and Create won Best Literary Podcast. I am literally—I'm in awe. I'm excited. I'm so happy. The fact that our show was selected by a panel of professional podcasters really made me feel motivated to keep creating the show and keep striving to make it better. You know, creating this show is truly a labor of love, but as my friend of Flourish in the Foreign, Christine Job always says, it is still labor nonetheless. Unpaid labor at that. But I love doing this. I love talking about our literary ancestors. I love coaching BIPOC writers and helping them tap into their divine right to write. And now with this award, I feel like I've been given the validation that what I'm doing has been well-received. So thank you, Black Podcasting Awards. Thank you to all of you who are listening. Thank you to our literary ancestors who inspire me every day. Thank you all for making this independent Black woman podcaster feel seen. Now before I get too emotional, <laughs> how about we get emotional with the incomparable Dr. Maya Angelo instead? Okay, writers. I'm going to begin my story about Dr. Maya Angelo in the middle. Yes, not from the beginning, but in the middle of Maya Angelo's extraordinary life. Because you may be surprised to learn that Maya Angelou was 40 years old when her first book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, was published in 1969. Yes, she was 40 years old. Now, that may seem surprising to some because we all know that Maya Angelou's book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings, was her most popular. We know she went on to write many more books after that. But yes, she got her first book published at age 40. And my point in telling you this is that even though Maya Angelou is most remembered and thought of as a writer, which of course she is and was, she was also a person who was determined to experience all that life had to offer. While that was sometimes driven by personal painful circumstances, most often Maya Angelou's zest for life and people and experiences was the engine that drove her through a lifetime of incredible careers and experiences. Born Marguerite Annie Johnson in 1928, before she settled into her career as the writer Maya Angelou, Maya had jobs as a streetcar conductor in San Francisco. She was a professional singer, dancer, actress, composer, and get this, she was Hollywood's first female Black director. She was a short order cook, a civil rights activist, who worked with both Malcolm X and Martin Luther King, and she also had jobs in marketing and journalism. Early in her career, when she was on a world tour of Porgy and Bess, Maya ended up learning many of the languages of the countries that she visited because apparently she also had an incredible facility for languages. So in addition to all of those professional identities, all those different jobs I just told you about, Maya Angelou was also a polyglot who spoke English, French, Spanish, Hebrew, Italian, and Fanti. Yes, that's six languages that she was fluent in. This isn't even the end of all of the different jobs and professions and careers that Maya Angelou experienced. Once she started writing in earnest, Maya understood that her writing was a form of teaching, which led her to the classroom. And she taught in universities and classrooms literally all over the world. But her final career was actually as a professor at Wake Forest University and towards the end of her professional career you know right before retirement she said quote i always said i am a writer who can teach but now i realize that i am a teacher who can write end quote and indeed maya angelo had so much to teach us all it was very clear that maya wanted to teach all of us to be better human beings as an activist as an artist Her underlying message was always that love liberates. So why am I telling you this incredible aspects of Maya Angelou's life as a person who literally experienced so many different types of professional experiences and travel experiences and um, different ways of being in the world? Well, I'm telling you this because of all the lessons that Maya Angelou can give us as writers is first and foremost, we have to live a life, right? We have to live a life full of experiences. When you look at Maya's life, when you look at her adventures, her heartache, her heartbreak and love, we look at the relationship she had, we look at the courage that she had, traveling the world, meeting all kinds of people, saying yes to all of the different opportunities that came her way, I think the lesson is really clear. You have to embrace and experience life so that when you sit down to write, you have something to say. You need to soak up all those experiences and then squeeze those experiences out onto the page to give your writing color and context and depth. Maya Angelou went on to write seven volumes of her autobiography or I call them memoirs, but she wrote seven volumes and she had seven volumes to write because she lived such a full life. Now, am I saying that you have to go live seven volumes worth of life? No, not necessarily, but you do need to live. You have to say yes to opportunities, to collect languages, colors, and flavors, and stories so that when you sit down, when you're ready to write, you have something to say. And moreover, you have a treasure chest of character ideas, sounds, settings, even dialogue to pull from because you have collected a lifetime's worth of experiences. So that's the first lesson that my Angelo teaches us is that you have to live a full life. Number two lesson that Maya Angelou teaches us is start where you are and grow into the writer you want to be. Maya Angelou fell in love with poetry as a young girl. She actually read poetry all the time. And it was really poetry that got her to start talking again after she decided to stop talking after she was sexually abused by her mother's boyfriend. But she came out of that mutism through poetry. And when she decided to start writing early on in her life, she started with poetry because it was her first love and the form she was most familiar with. But then she moved on to writing songs, which when you think about it, are poems set to music. Then she wrote screenplays, then TV scripts, then stage plays. And then she finally found her way to memoir, like I said, later in her life when she was in her late 30s. Now, Maya didn't go to school to learn how to write, but she did surround herself with writers and creative people. She joined the Harlem Writers Guild, she befriended people like James Baldwin, and she consumed a lot of great writing. She was always reading, she memorized poetry, so she started essentially where she was. But then once she started writing, she just kept taking that next level. Most importantly, once she decided that she was going to make writing her thing, she made it her priority. Her poetry eventually won her a Pulitzer Prize. I Know Why the Couraged Bird Sing was nominated for a National Book Award. Of course, she's won dozens of other awards over her lifetime for her writing. So obviously her methodology worked and it can work for you too. Start where you are and grow into the writer you want to be. Number three, sacrifice and struggle are part of the job description as a writer. Let's be clear, just leading an exciting, colorful life isn't going to be enough to write wonderful prose. I love this quote that Maya told Oprah Winfrey in an interview. She said, quote, You can only be great at the things you are willing to sacrifice for. Maya Angelou admitted that she was good at many things, and that's obvious by all the different jobs she had. And she said she enjoyed working in all these different fields. She enjoyed singing, for example, but she said the only two real passions that she was committed to were dancing and writing. And she knew that these were true passions because they were the only things that she was willing to sacrifice for. And that sacrifice can look like, you know, sacrificing time away from having fun, socializing. It can mean sacrificing money because you're willing to take a lesser paid job so you can work on your manuscript. The writing doesn't just come. We have to work at it. But Maya said, I love writing. I have a passion for it. So I don't mind the struggle. And that's what she meant by the sacrifice coupled with the passion. You know it's a real passion when you don't mind the struggle. Okay, number four, use your words to heal the world. This is the last lesson that I think Maya Angelou has to teach us writers, and it's the most important. If you really pay attention to Maya Angelou's writing, you will see that there is a through line through her life, through her art, and through her activism. Everything she did was in service to elevating the stories of Black people and bridging the divide between humanity. She wrote 32 books in total, and those books encompassed memoir, essays, poetry, children's books, and even cookbooks. And I would say that all of these books, all of these words that she gave to us carry the spirit of uplift. Maya Angelou used the power of her words, the power of her voice to teach us, to love us, and to liberate us all. If you know her life story, as I mentioned before, Maya chose to be silent for five years after the sexual abuse that she suffered as a child. But once she reclaimed her voice, she refused to be silenced ever again. And in fact, she reclaimed her voice and used it on the page and out loud to tell the stories she believed would help those who needed it most. Personally, I remember reading Maya's memoirs as a teenager and a young adult and feeling so connected to her and so inspired by her. She gave me the courage to write and to follow my passions. Maya's books really did teach me something about myself, about how to live a life, how to write, and that liberated me. And, you know, I'm not the only one. Millions of people around the world have been schooled and liberated and loved by Maya Angelou through her words. And that's the power of the written word. Like, that's what I really want you to soak up. That's what Maya has shown us with her own life. Words mean more than what is set down on paper, is what she said. Again, words mean more than what is set down on paper. She told us that words are powerful. She knew from her own experience that words are powerful. So as writers, we have the potential to wield this power in amazing and life-changing ways. So if you have a story that needs to be told, especially one that will heal somebody out in the world who needs it, then it is your responsibility to use your voice like Maya. Use your words, sit down at your desk and write your story and get it out into the world. Maya showed us that even our messy, imperfect lives, even the ugly bits, if we are generous enough to share them, we can help someone else in need. We can help heal those who are hurting. Maya said, I love this quote, a bird doesn't sing because it has an answer. It sings because it has a song. All of you writers, my BIPOC writers, I am talking to you. All of you have a song and a story that you must put into the world because it is going to help heal somebody who needs it. It is your responsibility to use your voice, use your words like Maya Angelou. I hope that resonates with you. I hope you feel that as somewhere between a gift and a responsibility to get your words out into the world, we need BIPOC writers to share their stories now more than ever. Okay, now the last little bit of Maya Angela's writing life I wanna share with you is about her writing practice because I just think it's so wonderful to imagine and maybe it'll inspire some of you to examine your own writing practices. So Maya was interviewed later in her life and asked about her writing schedule and her writing practice, like what did she do? How did she write? And Maya said that she actually kept a hotel room in the same town where she lived, and she would go there every day at 6.30 a.m., every day. And she said she never wanted to write at home because she wanted to step away from the world that she regularly inhabited. So she wanted to put herself in this kind of liminal space that was devoid of all of the responsibilities and regular life pressures that she would have, and she could go into this kind of anonymous space. So there in her simple hotel room, she only kept three things on her desk, a dictionary, a thesaurus, and the Bible. She wrote on a legal pad. And when she, you know, would maybe need a little bit of time away from the words, she kept a deck of playing cards and she would play solitaire. No computer games, nothing electronic. She would just use a deck of cards and play solitaire the way the good Lord intended, (laughs) with actual cards. She said that sometimes she would just need to occupy her mind and wait for her imagination to catch up with her mind. Now, what's interesting, she never allowed herself to use the words writer's block ever because she didn't want to buy into the idea that such a thing existed. She actually said, quote, I'm careful about the words I use. In other words, she didn't want her mind to start believing that writer's block was real if she gave it a name. So she said, I don't believe in that. I don't believe in it. So I'll leave you with that image of Maya Angelou in her hotel room writing with her Bible, her thesaurus, and her dictionary, and her passion for the written word. Maya Angelou became an ancestor at age 86 in 2014. She wrote a total of 32 books in her lifetime. Thank you, St. Maya Angelou, for sharing your words with us and teaching us everything you knew to be true. And now we've come to the new segment I was talking about called Read Like a Writer, where I will share a book that I've recently read that I think you should read too. And I'll tell you why. The point is that as writers, the most important thing we need to do is read. We need to read widely, read diversely, and read a lot. But we also have to read with intention so we can improve our craft. Remember, before MFA programs were a thing, aspiring writers simply read works of the masters and attempted to imitate their style. You can do the same thing for yourself and save thousands of dollars instead of going to an MFA program. Now, I'm just kidding. I'm not suggesting you shouldn't go to an MFA program if that's what you want to do. But at an MFA program, they're going to teach you how to read like a writer. So I figured we can do that here as well. So since we just talked about memoir and sharing your stories, and since at the time of this recording, we are in the middle of Hispanic Heritage Month in the United States, I would like to recommend a book by a Latina author, Ingrid Rojas Contreras. Her memoir is called The Man Who Could Move Clouds, and it is an incredibly written, powerful story of three generations of a Colombian family of curanderos, or healers. If you love magical realism and real-life stories that explore cultural differences with strong female leads, then you will love this book. Fun fact The Man Who Could Move Clouds was recently nominated for a National Book Award in the category of nonfiction. So if you don't take my word for it, you can take the National Book Award Foundation's word that this is an amazing book. Now, if you are working on memoir, I highly recommend you read this book and pay attention to how the author incorporates her mother's story into her own memoir, and how she masterfully incorporates what we gringos call magical realism in such a way that it feels normal and not in any way unbelievable. There really is a technique to that, and Contreras does it masterfully. If you want to write memoir that covers multiple generations, or if you are writing fiction or nonfiction with elements of magical realism, The Man Who Could Move Clouds is an excellent case study. So, Get a copy for yourself, have a read, underline, pay attention to the parts that you think are most instructive for yourself, and think of it as both an enjoyable read, but also like a textbook almost that you can learn from. Let me know if you read it, and when you do, I wanna hear your thoughts. Feel free to slide into my DMs on Instagram and share. I'm at Lori L. Tharps on Instagram. Thank you for listening to this award-winning podcast. If you're looking for more resources, recommendations, and inspiration to help you optimize your writing life, please visit the Read, Write, and Create website at readwriteandcreate.com. While you're there, be sure to sign up for the Read, Write, and Create newsletter because I send out a monthly list of opportunities for BIPOC writers that include jobs, open submissions, residencies, grants, and fellowships, and so much more to really help you enjoy your writing life. We also now have a dedicated Instagram account at Read, Write, and Create. That's Read, Write, and C-R-E and the number 8. So be sure to follow that account because it's where all things Read, Write, and Create will be announced. Before I let you go, please don't forget to leave a rating or a review or both on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to podcasts. So when people find the show and they're looking to see if it's any good before committing to a listen, they'll see the high ratings, some recent reviews to convince them that they're going to get the content that they're craving. I promise it takes less than a minute to hit a star, write a few words, and it does an amazing amount of help in making our show more visible. So thank you in advance for taking the time to do that. The Read, Write, Create podcast is produced by me, Lori L. Tharps. Our editor is Brad Linder, and our theme music is by Whataboy. I'll be back in two weeks on Monday with another incredible interview with a legend in the literary world. Until then, keep writing.